Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. So I just ask you to anoint my lips of clay and I pray that you'll help all of us as we listen intently, not with just our ears, but with our heart. And as we receive your word tonight, your divine instruction, in the name of Jesus we pray, amen, amen. God bless you. I want to, you can be seated, I'm sorry. I want to speak tonight, my subject is on divine preparation, divine preparation. You see what you're doing here tonight right now is a divine preparation. Doesn't maybe seem like a whole lot but we just never know how much it can accumulate when we just begin to make some investments into the kingdom of God in our lives and our family and how it will impact our destiny and perhaps the destiny of others. I've shared in part uh, some of this publicly and privately, but we had not been married very long, and and uh, my mother-in-law uh, told me my mother-in-law had a real mind for business, and uh, she was very independent, and um, just could think very, very quickly on her feet, and was very smart in many, many ways of life, and so when we were over at their house one day visiting, she... she um, told us, she said, you never make a minimum payment. And this was before the days of credit cards and things of that, like they are today. And she always said, just whatever you can round up, even if you don't think it's a lot, just make a little bit more. And she said, you will be surprised what that will do in the long run. Well, you know, when you're young and someone that's old as dirt is giving you advice, See, they were in about their 40s when we got married. So they were just right at the grave. And so when I consider those two things, I'm very thankful that, that we took their advice. I took that to heart. It made sense to me, and we began to do that. And I never will forget the very first time a snapshot of that came home. We were trading a vehicle and I have been doing that on a truck that we had owned for a little while and when we went to trade the vehicle again I don't want to keep dating myself here tonight as well but this was certainly before you could get along online and check how everything's going you, you just didn't know until you asked back then and when we got ready to trade that vehicle the truck that I was driving was the, the payment was not due for months and I was I was shocked and I just remember that those little words of my mother-in-law echoing in my mind if you just make a little bit of a sacrifice now 
the accumulative effect of that is going to pay off dividends in the future that you can't even imagine. And so if that's true on a short-term loan, this is not a financial class, by the way, but if, this, if that's true on a short-term loan, that, that multiplies exponentially over the course of something like a home mortgage. But when we're thinking about eternal things, what we're doing here tonight, we have no way to go online and just check what this evening's investment will do. But there will come a time that a snapshot of tonight and nights like tonight will come home to us because we're going to realize that we have been making some divine preparations. We've been putting something in the bank spiritually and it's there for us to draw on. Now, God, if you haven't noticed, God never or rarely acts suddenly. In almost every situation of, in almost every situation of life, God never gets all worked up about things. Primarily because he sees the beginning from the end and vice versa. And uh, so he never has to act suddenly because he already knows. We find ourselves having to respond to situations in life because we primarily say time and time again, well, I didn't see that coming. And so we had to stop and make mid-journey adjustments because we could not peer into the future and we couldn't see what was coming. And, and so because of that, we often are relegated in some areas of our life to live in a reactionary fashion because we are called on to respond after the fact, after the accident, after something has happened. Now we've got to pick up the pieces and try to figure out how to put it all back together. But I think we would all agree that it is much better to live and certainly to lead in every area of our lives that we can in a proactive fashion, that we can get ahead of the curve. We can see something coming and have that sense to know the times. And, and so it's a lot easier to live and, and uh, to lead proactively than it is to lead and live reactively so that we can look down the road and make plans and be able to somewhat not predict the future, but somehow that we can make some plans today so that we won't have to make them tomorrow. Make some plans perhaps when we're not in a crisis so we don't have to make the plans when we're faced with a crisis. A few services ago I mentioned uh, something about an article that I'd read about Sam Walton, the founder of Walmart, and how uh, Sam Walton has long been admired for his business sense and prowess and his ability to look down the road. It could easily be said of men like Sam Walton that he was a man that understood the value of being prepared and how he had set his family up in the future. And this was before he made it. He just had faith in the, in the fact that he would make it. I also talked about a man that same night, a man in Dublin, Ireland, that bought a failing business but he had such confidence in his product and he had such confidence in his ability to bring this product not only to Ireland, Ireland but he in, fact, he in fact envisioned that to be around the world. He was so convinced of that that he signed a 9,000 year contract on a building. A man that was desiring to be prepared. I want to go ahead. I don't want to have to deal with this in the future. I don't want to get going. I don't want to get my legs under our business and get up and running and then all of a sudden find out we don't have a factory or 
we don't have any real estate. He saw the value of being prepared. I've often considered and certainly mentioned it many times that the actual prayer of Elijah on Mount Carmel, I remember many years ago counting the words of that prayer and, and uh, it's just a few words and it's a rather simplistic prayer but I have often considered that that was not the, the totality of Elijah's prayer life that that was his prayer that was an accumulation of many prayers and many days and many hours of, of communication with the Lord. And so when he was called upon, Elijah didn't have to go back to square one and repent of all of his evil deeds and, and try to wash the blood off of his hands somehow, but he had already accumulatively prayed prayers and so he now stands in this moment of exact truth to determine let the God that is really God be the God that answers by fire. And so Elijah could pray a prayer, amen, that would move heaven and move earth. Amen, I believe that this prophet was relying on yesterday's investment. Amen, the prayers that had been prayed, that prayer that had been prayed in a particular moment of time was hinged upon countless prayers that had already been prayed and sent up to heaven. I remember an old song that I heard as a child growing up many times. The song was entitled, Getting Ready to Leave This World. Verse number one says, Laying up my treasures in that home above, trusting, fully trusting in the Savior's love, doing what I can for heaven's holy dove, I'm getting ready to leave this world. It's all about I'm putting something ahead so that it will be there in my tomorrow. The message, I believe, of this verse and this song is certainly clear. It speaks of the value of doing something today that I will be able to rely on tomorrow. Not just one day at a time, not just one moment at a time. Many people statistically in America and certainly around the world are, are paid on Friday and they're borrowing gas money on Monday to go to work because they are living in the moment, just living in the moment. Nothing set aside for a rainy day, nothing set aside for a, a, a time of crisis. In some cases, not even enough set aside to get back to the job that will provide an income for the next week for your family. Amen. I, I think of the value of working today, work today. The Bible talks about working while it is day. Because night cometh when no man can work. There is coming a time when we will not be able to do what we can do today. And so I want to make sure that I get that done. I think there is a crystal clear illustration of this in scripture. And that scripture that I would like to refer to tonight is in the book of Acts chapter 10. And I want to talk about a man by the name of Cornelius. Acts 10 opens with an introduction to this man. And it talks about this man that lived in Caesarea. Now, Caesarea was the head of the Roman governor and Cornelius was the captain of an army. He was one of 100 men that served as a bodyguard for the king. Now there's a lot of things that could be said about Cornelius and, and uh, no doubt every one of them certainly would be an honorable mention I can't and will not try to speak about them all, but I do want to underline a few this evening. Cornelius was a man, I think, first and foremost, a man of absolute impeccable character, a true man in every sense of the word. 
I believe that what we can read of him bleeds out further than just the ink on the page of our Bibles. The Bible talks about in Acts 10 and 2, a man that feared God with all of his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Amen. So here's a man that feared God, not alone, but he feared God with all of his house. And so obviously the principles of God were talked about in this man's house. He gave much alms to people. He was a man very, very generous, and he was a man of prayer. What a very, very brief biography of such a great man. There was a man here at the center of this story tonight who dared to be holy in the most unholy of circumstances. There was a lot of reasons and a lot of excuses that could have been made, but Cornelius said, I'm going to be a part of this as a vocation, but I am going to maintain my devotion to God. And so then we should not be surprised that a man of that character would have so much influence that the Bible says all of his house feared or they revered God. I believe today that that we can understand the value, the true value of living right before the Lord. It's not just for us, but I want to leave a legacy for someone behind to be able to follow. As one writer said, a man could be a brave soldier and yet a religious coward, but we don't find that trace element in a man by the name of Cornelius. He was a brave soldier, but he was also a brave religious man. It seemed apparent that Cornelius was a man who understood the value of protecting that one that he was given charge of and yet he also understood the value of being tender in the presence of God. A man man that loved God and served him. In verses three through six, we get a glimpse of how the Lord dealt with Cornelius on a very personal level. Now, I want to, I don't, didn't know where to mention this, but I'll just mention this right here in case I forget it later. But many years ago, I was visiting Sister Goodson one afternoon or, and uh, visiting with her at some point, and, uh, and she started talking about something that she had heard preached about many years before that. And she said, ever since I heard this preached about, I started incorporating this in my prayer. And she shared that with me, and it impacted my life. And I have certainly tried to incorporate that in my prayer as well. She said that angels never die. Amen. We obviously would know that. And so she said if angels never die, then that means that the angel that visited the house of Cornelius is still alive and well. And she said, I've been praying for that angel. that already has experience to go and speak to someone that has a hungry heart. I've been praying for that. Isn't that powerful? I've been praying for that angel to go and visit someone in her life. And I'm going to tell you something. It rocked my world sitting her in her living room. I thought, what a powerful thought. She didn't try to take credit for that herself. She said she had heard someone preach about that. But she was saying, I incorporated that. So I am not trying to take credit for that myself. But I have been praying the same thing. Lord... Amen. That angel, you can dispatch. He don't have. He's got way more than one angel. But just as a point of reference, God, I'm just asking you to send the same angel that you sent to the house of Cornelius. Why don't you send it to the house of you fill in the blank? Amen. You send it, Lord, to the house and to the heart of you fill in that blank. 
Amen. And we can pray that very powerful and mighty prayer and let God speak. What a very personal, personal relationship and conversation this angel had with Cornelius. The Bible speaks about this man's prayer life. And so what we're seeing here is the end result of the disciplines of prayer. As one commentary said, he said, I, he who prays much will see much. He who prays much will see much. Amen. God is always ready, I believe, to unlock treasures of his grace to those who are looking for it. Amen. Amen. If we are just open our eyes and open our heart, amen, I, I will just say this and I say it very humbly, but I have overheard my wife praying for me countless, countless times. I don't even have any idea I wouldn't even dare try to guesstimate how many times I have overheard her praying for me. God, open his eyes and help him to see the scripture like he's never been able to see it before and help him to teach it like he's never been able to teach it before. I'm glad to have somebody like that in my corner praying for me. Amen. Amen. God, help us to, uh, help us to, be, uh, to understand that those who pray and hunger after the Lord, he longs, he's not playing hide and seek to try to hide something for us perpetually, but he longs for us to hunger and to thirst after him and to see the revelation of his word, amen. I want us to look at those verses I referred to. Verses three, we'll begin right there. The Bible says, he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming in to him and saying unto him, Cornelius, and when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Now the vision came at the ninth hour and Maybe this is just familiar stomping ground to some, but it may not be to all. And so here is a vision that came about the ninth hour. Now, according to uh, the custom of the Jews, the ninth hour was the time for public prayer. And so this vision, vision or personal visitation, whatever it may have been, brought a message with a very personal assurance. In verse 4, it says, Thy prayers and alms are come up for a memorial before God. Amen. What a specific word of assurance. I have heard your prayer and I have, I have seen the alms that you have given. It is recorded. I have that. This holy visitation also brought him a specific word of direction. In verse number five, he said, send men to Joppa and call for one Simon whose surname is Peter. Now, when God answers our prayers, when God answers our prayers, there's no doubt about it because everything seems so clear and God-like. Ever had those moments when you just back up and say, no way, nothing but God right here, nothing but God. This just had to be God. And so Simon, or Cornelius is experiencing this moment. He is experiencing a voice that says, I've heard your prayers, now this is what you need to do. It was a voice of assurance. It was a voice of direction. Within the last few months, on a very personal note, I will just share something with you. God has answered some very, very difficult prayers for my wife and I. Now, 
I, I don't want you to take this out of context and I'll do my very best to not leave anybody questioning or try to paint in all four corners if I can. But like many people here, because we're human, at times we were struggling to surrender some things into his hand. I know you can't relate to this, but just, just listen to us as we struggle. It wasn't because we didn't want to trust him. By no, nothing could be further from the truth. And at the time, we certainly didn't see it as sur struggling to surrender something. Amen. But as we were walking through this, we realized we came to a point of understanding that we are going to have to set this down and we're going to have to walk away and we're going to have to leave it alone. And I don't care who you are, that's a pretty vulnerable thing to do. I know how easy it is to say, thy will be done. <laughs> Amen. I know how easy it is to just blow through the Lord's prayer and uh, to think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. But many times in our own lives, we are struggling with things because we find it impossible to release things into the hands of God. Again, not because we don't trust him at the time. We don't see ourselves as doing that. And sometimes it's just a little harder to live out the word of God than it is just to quote the word of God. Thank you for your honesty in that. Amen. This was truly a not our will but thy will be done moment. It made no sense how this could possibly work out. But we felt the Lord one afternoon direct us to someone's home that we felt like God was going to speak to them and give them a word for us for that moment. And in fact, that is exactly what happened. Now, there was no angelic visitation. There was no lightning jumping around. The room we were sitting in at their home didn't fill with fog like it did in Isaiah. But the Lord moved. And the Lord gave a specific word. And with that word, there was a measure of consolation right then. No answers. But there was a measure of consolation right then. When I tell you that within mere minutes of leaving their home that God set some things in motion, I could not be more, I could not be more uh, honest than that. that. Within mere moments, the Lord set the, the, the wheels in motion. Now, it hadn't been rolling as fast as we'd like it. Because you see, the Lord just not in a hurry. And he just works it out in his time. But God reminded us, Brother Williams, I've got this. I'm going to hold on to this. And so although we face times in all of our lives, we have to realize that we are laying up something today for tomorrow. Amen. We're putting our trust and our confidence in God. Now, I'm not trying to air our laundry. I'm just trying to tell you that all of us, you could share something very, very similar in your own life where you've had to set something in the hands of the Lord Maybe it was a doctor's report that didn't agree with what you thought your future was going to be and we just have to put that in the hand of the Lord and say, you know what? I'm going to trust you with this from here on out. I'm just going to put my faith and my confidence in you. Some things make no sense. How in the world is this ever going to pan out? How is it ever going to flesh out? But we have to put our trust in God. 
Amen. There is one thing for sure. I want to say it like I did about Cornelius. When God begins to move in certain things in our life, and it's happened many times in my wife and I's experience and walk with God, I'm just talking about one time. Amen. In your life, the very same thing, there were times when you back up and you say, there was no way. This just had to be the Lord. I mean, there's just no way you could have threaded your way through this situation on our own. Amen. God knows exactly how to do and what to do. Amen. Sorry for that little... Uh, uh, exit ramp there, but just looking back at the man of the story, it's one thing to have a heavenly visitation and it's one thing to receive some divine instructions, but it is quite another thing to follow through with what the Lord tells us to do. Amen. Now this is not the night for me just to talk about me enough that you lose all confidence in me, but I just want to tell you, the Lord has told me to do some things that I just flat chickened out. That's the truth. And you know, like when in that moment you think, just show me the world. And then when you go to move forward, all of the things, I'll just leave that alone. You, you can fill in the blank. You know, logic and all these kind of things, all these facts start getting in the way and clouding up. And there have been, there have been times that I've just have been so thankful for the patience of the Lord. So very thankful for the patience of the Lord with me in those matters. He knows me and he knows you and we are fearfully and wonderfully made and I'm not excusing the lack of faith but it is one thing to receive instruction but it is another thing to get up and take those marching orders and do what the Lord said. And as soon as Cornelius had this heavenly vision and the vision ended, Cornelius followed the precise directives of the Lord. Amen. I'm going to tell you there have been times in my life that I've done the very same thing. I'm not just trying to sound like uh, somebody that doesn't have any faith or any confidence or any action in them. Amen. There have been times God has spoken and I've answered. And God, I've listened and God has given direction and I've moved. We've all had those moments. Thank you, Cornelius, for rising to the occasion. Amen. He did, in fact, send men to Joppa which was about 30 miles away from where he was. They did go with specific instructions to find Simon Peter. In verse number seven, the Bible says, when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier with them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. Amen. Those that are willing to work for God and willing to trust him are never going to seek a more convenient season than right now. If we're willing, amen, if we are hungry, then we're going to rise to what God has called us to do. There may be times we have to work through a, a little bit of our own nerves, a little bit of our own inadequacies, but aren't you thankful that God has used you to rise to an occasion, to step into a situation under the divine direction of the Lord, of course, and move in his faith, in his favor. There's no greater joy than knowing the will of God, amen, and walking in the will of God. Right here in the story, it's right here in the story where the camera seems to shift from this scene and now the camera pans over here to this scene. It moves from one household to another household. It moves from one scene to another scene. The man at the center of this second scene is a man by the name of Peter. It's interesting in scripture to me how this plays out 
because you can essentially see if you read it in your script, if you read it in your Bible, it's almost like a split screen. You're watching a little bit of it play out over here, a little bit of it play out over here. Amen. But you, you, uh, you, we have a record of what's going on in two different places. The Bible says in verse nine of chapter 10, and on the morrow as they went on their journey and drew nigh into the city, that's in this part of the screen. They got up early in the morning. They start on, on their journey. And as they drew nigh to the city, in this screen, we see Simon Peter that went to the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And so we have three men over here on a journey. Amen, a soldier and two servants and Simon Peter in Joppa that's going up to the top of the house to pray. It never ceases to amaze me how God relegates himself to man. Amen, that has been his plan from the beginning and God is just not gonna work around that plan for you. He's not gonna work around it for me. Amen, it is still his plan today. God could have easily allowed, I mean, the angels already at Cornelius' house. He already has Cornelius' attention. He already understands that Cornelius is gonna do what he tells him to do. And so the Lord could have just had the angel tell him all about the plan of salvation. The Lord could have had the angel to just tell him everything that he needed to do in order to be saved. But you see, God chose through the foolishness of preaching to save them that are lost. He, th he chose through the foolishness of the mouthpiece of man and so he's not gonna work around man, amen. He could have laid it all out in that one instance, but he said, I am gonna bring you to, a, I'm gonna bring a man to you. I'm gonna bring a voice to you and his message together, amen. Through the preaching of the gospel, it's going to be exactly what you need. So that's why I say that we, I'm gonna say it again, don't ever discount what's going on here tonight. Don't ever discount what's happening right here in this moment, amen. There's a preacher tonight that's before you behind a desk with a Bible open declaring not my opinion I don't have a book that I wrote this afternoon I don't have a chapter that I scribbled down that's a few hours ago but I'm talking to you from the holy word of God you're listening to the holy word of God I'm going to tell you we're making some divine some divine preparations right here in this house this evening now the common thread that we cannot afford to miss in this story of these two men is one thing, and that is prayer. In both instances, in both households, prayer was made. Verses nine and 10, Simon Peter is making his way to a place of regular prayer. The Bible talks about while something to eat, literally to eat, was being cooked. While that was being cooked, Peter was in prayer. I think it's important to note that Peter wasn't just talking to the Lord in prayer, but also it seems apparent that Peter was listening to the Lord in prayer. And so I just want to say it one more time, he meant to make it an even thousand, that don't just go into your prayer closet and talk to God, but we need to go into our time of prayer, wherever that may be, whether however how formal or informal that may be, we need to have a season of listening to, listening to God in prayer. I don't want to just go burp out everything that I want to say and get up and run, but I want to say, Lord, I want to leave some time here. I want you to speak to my heart. And so Simon Peter wasn't just talking to the Lord in prayer, but he was listening to the Lord in prayer. Amen. I tell you, it's that we, we'll never understand, obviously, every little nuance of Scripture, but we do know that God has a way of getting his message across. 
And, and, and so it just seems like a very, of course it is a very unorthodox thing that we read about beginning in verse number 11 down through the following scriptures. God gives, a, gives Peter a vision of a great sheet or a vessel that is being let down from heaven. Now, this is certainly a revelation to Simon Peter. In verse number 11, the Bible says that a certain vessel descending unto him, descending unto him, it is a, as it were a great sheet, the Bible says, knit together at four corners and let down to the earth. Now, if you just stop right there and you sort of just kind of get a word picture in your mind of that sheet, pulled together all four corners and is being let down to the earth. Amen. Well, that's what we would see. And, and, and this could speak, I believe, to many things, but I think at the center of it, it would speak to the purpose of God's church. And that is to gather. Amen. The church ought to be a gathering unit. Amen. The church ought to gather people together. It ought to gather situations together. It ought to pull together. Amen. To one central cause and one central purpose. When the apostle Peter saw these strange things in verse number 12, this is what he saw. He saw all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And then the Lord spoke to him and said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now, what follows is not really an act of rebellion. This is not Simon Peter being unpredictable and way out here on a limb. He was very sincere in his reply or his rebuttal to the Lord. He said that he had never eaten anything that was unclean or that was common. But you see, God in this vision wasn't talking about natural things. He was speaking to Peter about something new, a new spiritual thing. God was about to use him to open a door that had never been opened here before. Furthermore, he was going to use these two prayerful men in order to bring this to pass. However, he had no way of knowing that these various, as the scripture says, four-footed beasts, wild beasts, creeping things, and fowls of the air, he had really no way of knowing what that represented. But in truth, I believe it represented all manner of lost humanity. It represented all manner of mankind. God was revealing that the vilest sinner could no longer be called common or no longer be called unclean because he said he has cleansed them by the blood of Calvary's cross. Hallelujah. Amen. They were all one vessel, both Jew and Gentile. And that's why Paul preached to the Galatian church. And he said, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye all are one in Christ Jesus. I'm thankful for a gathering church. I'm thankful for a powerful church. Amen. That has the ability to take all and to pull it all together tonight. Amen. There's differences of opinion that are in this room room tonight. Amen. There's differences of likes and dislikes and taste in this room tonight. Amen. We have some things in common and other things not in common, but the gathering power of Jesus Christ, his blood pulled us together to the common ground of Calvary's cross and to an altar of repentance and to a watery pool of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. Hallelujah. It pulled us together. Amen. To the experience of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking with other tongues. I'm thankful, amen, I'm thankful for the church. Another interesting note about, about this vision is that the Bible talks about these four-footed beasts and wild beasts and talks about uh, fowl of the air and it also talks about creeping things. So we take four-footed beasts, wild beasts, 
we kind of get a vision of one thing that would probably seem very muscular and very independent and very dangerous and then fowls of the air and then creeping things. So not to insult your intelligence this evening, but when you think about four-footed beasts and wild things and a caterpillar, Things that would not ordinarily have anything in common. Because a caterpillar would probably not want to be in the company of a fowl of the air. Lest they had heard the little rhyme, the early bird. <laughs> it's the worm. But God said, I'll pull all of this together. And it can violate all the nature's of everything and everything can feel safe in the company of one another because it's the church amen it's the church if we just think about where we've all if we look over our shoulder and see where we have come from to get amen some some didn't have a lot perhaps so I think sin is sin and lost is lost you can't just barely miss a train <laughs> I've never barely missed a flight <laughs> you're either on it or you're not and so there's no such thing as a little bit of sin but I think for the sake of illustration you mean some may have been a wild beast in sin and some may have just been a creeping thing in sin and maybe outside of the the real common denominator of the church we would have nothing in common but God pulled us all together praise God amen the effect of this vision on Simon Peter was that he was now willing to preach the gospel to every creature. And we'll read about that in just a minute. But I'm going to ask our musicians to come. And, and I, want to just, I want to just drill down for just another few minutes. And I mean that. And I want us to just pointedly ask ourselves a few questions. What made this possible? What brought us to this moment in time where what was the catalyst what what was the engine that brought Cornelius and Simon Peter together what was the engine that brought heaven down to Cornelius's home and heaven down to Simon Peter in a rooftop prayer meeting it was prayer that's the common denominator prayer Prayer sends mankind to do God's will and prayer still works on both sides of an equation at the same time. Prayer still works. Prayer truly does change things. When Cornelius faithfully kept his appointed times of prayer with God, I just want to be human here for just a moment. It may have just seemed like a religious habit to some around him. And in all honesty, there may have been days that seemed that way to him. Maybe days Cornelius wondered if this is really doing any good. There may have even been seasons when he was discouraged about prayer. But he just kept. And then it happened. In a moment of time, 
Cornelius realized that my prayers are they've not been vaporizing the wind has not been blowing them away they weren't just a momentary fog or just dust that kind of got carried away into the atmosphere he realized in a moment of time God has been keeping a record of this a very accurate record there may have been days if he wondered if his alms or or his offerings if, if this was all in vain is this all for nothing he could have even asked himself why I think it's all within the realm of reason. But then that day came that changed everything. It was the day that God said, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And, and, And this is what I say. What we have on the table now before us is the accumulative effect of faithfulness. It's that just a little bit more that little bit more. That little bit more that you just, my mother-in-law said, if you just put a little bit more and you'll be amazed at what that will do. Just a little bit more. And so when you're going to prayer tomorrow and you wonder if it's really worth it, I just want to remind you that one of these days you're going to be amazed at what just going one more time praying one more time amen the accumulative effect of faithfulness let's stand together it truly played out in the lives of these two men and here is here's the part that we just can't forget that it did not just affect the destiny of these two men and and here I've said everything I've said tonight to come to this point so please don't check out Everything that that these men had been doing, it all culminates in this moment. And it wasn't just for the benefit of two men. But it changed the destiny of these men and all those around them. The Bible says for, for Cornelius that, Brother Williams, it was the saving of his house. So I'm, I'm not inclined to believe that Every family member was with him when he went to daily prayer. But they certainly benefited from that faithfulness. And so for Simon Peter, that one more time, amen, that one more time of praying, one more time and that angel visited him and said, there's somebody that needs you. There's somebody that needs you. What was the end result of that? It changed. It changed something in him. It changed something in this man, Simon Peter. I want to read that in Scripture. I'm sorry, I don't have this for the screen, but if we drop way further down into the same chapter of Acts 10, but to verses 42 and 43, he said, And he commanded us to preach unto people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be judge of the quick and the dead. Verse 43, To give him to give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sin. When he first heard the word, he said, I can't go to him, Lord. He's a Gentile. I can't go over there. He's not worthy of this. But by the time he walks through this experience himself, he just pounds his fist 
on the pulpit and he says that whoever believes can receive remission of sin. And so tonight, my word to all of us is to keep on praying. Keep on praying because through our divine preparations, we're changing the world around us. Amen. We're changing the world around us. So when discouragement comes in like a flood, push it back and say, not today. Not today. I've got a divine I've got a divine preparation to do. I've got to work on something that's a little bit larger than me, a little bit bigger than today. Amen. I've got to talk to the Lord. Amen. Can we love the Lord together? Amen. Let's just listen. Amen. Tonight to the words of this song. Let the power of God's heart. Amen. Let the power of God's word and his heartbeat strengthen us today. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.